you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. And you're listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. Glad to be here with you today. Uh, in the show today, I have a, a special guest, uh, Mr. Buck Levis. He's going to be talking about his um, devotional book. It's called Coming Clean. And so we're going to talk about... Uh, just a lot of different things, but specifically I want to talk with him about sexual sin, you know, and us being believers, you know, how we deal with this issue, how we get a hold of this issue. This this is something that's running rampant within the church, uh, within the body of Christ. And, you know, uh, the Bible says a lot about it and gives us safeguards against uh, falling into sexual sin. And so we're going to be talking about that. I think it's a discussion that the church has to have, like we can't shy away uh, from talking about uh, these issues. I try to talk about it uh, from, you know, uh, experiential point of view when I'm on, on Wednesdays, you know, what God has brought me out of, you know, and uh, I think it's, it's very beneficial that we don't dust these things under the rug, that we don't sweep them under the rug, but that we talk about uh, these issues. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, hopefully the second and third segment, but Starting off, I just want to make sure I make this announcement that the Marriage Family Life Conference is going to be July 6th to the 8th, July 6th to the 8th, uh, 2023. And so mark your calendars. We are getting things ready. Everything's coming together. Beginning to have some some meetings and things like that. And so we will have some other instructions coming real soon, letting you know when you can register for the early bird rate. Uh, it's going to be coming real soon. So uh, just stay stay tuned. We're going to have some of our other shows uh, uh, pitching in and talking about it, you know, and just making announcements. And you'll hear, you'll hear it on the network. And so the Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 is coming up. Uh, before um, we get to our guest, you know, I've been doing a Bible study uh, with a group of guys. and We've been looking through the book of Acts. Uh, and it's crazy because I had a friend to tell me, uh, that he was talking to a particular person and uh, was letting him know about uh, me studying with some guys in the book of Acts. And the person said to him that I, I try to stay away from the book of Acts because it's it's a little too controversial. I had never heard that before. I've heard that said maybe about Revelations, you know, that, you know, it's one of those books I don't understand. But I never really heard that the book of Acts was controversial I look at it as church history. Man, praise God for the book of Acts and what uh, is laid out there. I mean, praise God for his word in general. But we've been looking through, and uh, there's there's a few things in here. And I'm thinking specifically about uh, this act that uh, we've been telling people about, the Respect for Marriage Act. They have a good way of, like, 
<laughs> naming things to make you think, oh, this is a this is a great thing. Like you need to be, you know, uh, not only aware of this, but you need to be for this. But what uh, our culture has done and is trying to do to the sanctity of of, of marriage is horrendous. Um, I was having some discussions today, you know, just about marriage. And the Bible lays out to us in Ephesians chapter 5 that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And so when it's, when it's uh, trying to be redefined, which you cannot make it anything other than what God said, man, I believe that we as the people of God should be out front and loud about what this is. I think some of the problem is that we find ourselves, with the, even within the church, not valuing marriage. We have a lot of our marriages that uh, ends in divorce. And I'm not talking about biblical divorce. We have a lot of, you know, things happening within marriage that are not supposed to. We have infidelity and things like that. So the church has not sufficiently stood up for this, uh, uh, for this institution. And so I think now when the world comes in with its ideas and its radical, you know, agendas and, and trying to reshape marriage, the church kind of feels like, you know, hands behind our back because we haven't valued it. But, but man, it's a sad thing when I, when I think about it, that God has set this forth as a picture of Christ and the church, that God has instituted marriage. He had, this is his idea. And so when we have people now, you know, trying to promote and codify, you know, same-sex marriage, which is not marriage at all, we as the church need to be loud about what God has said about marriage. First of all, I believe that we need to be loud in our living. We need to show the world what marriage is by having godly marriages. We need to show the world what marriage is by obeying God in our marriages. Marriage is not easy. You're taking two people who come from mainly different backgrounds most of the time, different points of view, and you're becoming one. But it's a beautiful thing when we look at what what Christ has done. And the picture of Christ in the church, how he gave himself for his bride. And when we take that and say, well, you know, and I say we loosely because we as the believers, we don't do this. Well, we, we shouldn't do this. But when we take it and say, oh, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a man and a man. It can be a woman and a woman. It can be whatever. When man tries to do that, it's a slap in the face of God. Like, it's, it's, it's turning our back on God. And there are consequences for rebellion against God. The things that we see happening in this nation, even in our communities, we see the breakdown. Well, if you're going to rebel against God, you're going to have consequences. He would not be mocked. There will be consequences. And so as they're trying to pass this thing, you know, and, it, and you know, it goes back to the House and they're going to put it before President Biden and he's going to sign this thing. 
because they're they are afraid that it would be overturned. Oh, a burger fell would be overturned. You know that they would lose this. But when you have so so many people so passionate about keeping this deviancy intact, what does this say spiritually speaking? See, we look at a lot of things in the natural, and one of the problems that the church uh, has is that we. We have allowed these issues, whether it's marriage, whether it's life, whatever it may be, we have allowed it to become political issues when, it, when they are not political issues. When they are not political issues. The Bible has something to say about these issues. But we've allowed it to become political, and therefore we feel like, oh, well, you know, we can't really go in on these, on these topics. But one of my questions that I was posing to a few people was why have we not seen the issue of marriage being galvanized around like we saw life? You know, the life issue, which was led out front mainly by Catholics, was something that they, you know, really began to bring light to. And then Protestants came along and joined the fight. But I, I wonder, concerning marriage, why has there not been the many organizations, you know, that has started different things and, and, and constantly talked about? Well, I think the problem is, and some of it is what we're going to talk about today, is there's so much sexual immorality in the church that how can you stand for marriage when there's no respect for it at all within the body of Christ? I know that's a general statement, but we have a pandemic or epidemic going on within the church. We have a, 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 the situation of, of, of people, you know, thinking having sex outside of marriage is all right, as long as I care and love this person. Being drowned in pornography from the pastors on down to members of the church. We have all types of things happening. So when the world make these moves in our culture to call something what is not, we seem so impotent as the church because we have not stood by what the word of God has said. Going back to the book of Acts, early on, after the day of Pentecost, there were some things that were really popping off. You see Peter, you see John, you see the apostles going around, you see people getting healed. And because things were really shaking up, they were being questioned and begin to be uh, become persecuted because of the preaching in the name of Jesus. And there was a time in, in Acts chapter 4 and also in Acts chapter 5, but first time in Acts chapter 4 when they were threatened they were threatened, and they were told not to speak in this name of Jesus. And the apostles said, we can only talk about what we've both seen and heard. We're going to obey God rather than man. Then again, in Acts chapter 5, they're confronted, and they're, they're being persecuted, you know, around about verses um, 12 put into prison. But God does some miraculous things 
gets him, gets him out of prison. And they and they are released from prison by the angel and told to go back and preach and teach. To go and continue on doing it. And so when they, when these officers find out that they're not in the prison, but they're back out there preaching, they warn them again. They said, didn't we tell you before not to preach in this name? And they had the same answer. We are going to obey God rather than men. Now, I bring that up at this point to talk about marriage because the world is saying a lot of things about marriage. God has said what marriage is. And we as believers, we better be in the the corner of saying what God says rather than going with what man has said. This is the time for boldness. While everybody else out there is saying one thing, they're saying this about marriage. They're trying to redefine it, make it something that is not. We as the believers have to, with one voice, loudly proclaim what marriage is and that it cannot be changed. That what God has put together, it can't be broken down. It can't be torn apart. It's not good enough in our own little circles to say, oh, that's not real marriage. We're going to have to say to those who are trying to change what marriage is, that can't be, it can't be changed. We have to say it to them. Peter, And John and those apostles, they were speaking to these leaders and they were telling them, hey, we're going to continue to preach in the name of Jesus. We're going to continue with this message. They had boldness that was brought about by the Holy Spirit and they didn't bow down. A matter of fact, they reiterated what they already had said. We're going to obey God rather than man. So in our conversation about marriage, As things around us, as this culture around us want to change things up, we need to say what God has said. Male and female. That's the only way. That is a picture of Christ in the church. And because it's a picture of Christ in the church, that means that this culture has tried to come in on holy ground and we have to fight. It's not a political issue. This is a a, a moral issue. This is a God issue. And as believers, we have to live out loud with our marriages showing godliness, and we also need to speak it forth. All right, this is Aaron Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will. Uh, just glad that you are here with me today. Uh, that song right there is Nothing Without You, Jason Nelson. Uh, the first segment I talked about marriage, you know, the importance of it. And we as the church, we have to hold that banner. You know, marriage is what God said it, it is. It cannot be changed, no matter what the culture may say, no matter you know, even what other Christians may say, we have to always go back to the straight edge 
of Scripture. That is what defines what things are for us. And so I uh, just want to encourage boldness to speak out, you know, to, uh, to understand your, your place in God and understand that when these issues come out, they're not political issues. They're, they're being made to be political issues, but these are moral issues. These are things that we should care about as believers. And like I said before, marriage being a picture of Christ in the church, that means this culture is standing on holy ground, and we fight for that. We fight for marriage um, the way that God has designed it. Um, but we have a special guest on today, and we're going to be talking about an issue that I've talked about before in this show, and we actually were supposed to have him scheduled for yesterday, but uh, Miki and I was, was talking, was like, man, he'll be good for a Wednesday show with, 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 uh, with us today because the, this is right down my alley. I feel like we really need to have a discussion more, have discussions more and more about uh, sexual sin and, and uh, just those things that tend to bind believers. There are so many uh, Christians who are bound uh, in, in, in sexual sin and in other things. But God has provided, he has provided freedom you know, through Jesus Christ. And uh, so today we're going to be talking to Buck Levis. Um, he's, Buck has earned his BA degree from Fresno State and his JD from the University of San Diego uh, School of Law. Came to faith in Christ in 1977. I was one year old. <laughs> Retired as a Superior Court judge from Fresno County in 2008 and now lives in Cambria, California. Now he has a book. It's called Coming Clean, Coming Clean. And I was looking through it. It's a devotional, and I haven't seen a devotional, you know, uh, like this before. I think it's very useful uh, as I was looking through it because I'm always looking for resources to help, you know, even as it pertains to sexual sin and and things like that that we can, you know, uh, make available. Um, But this book is called uh, Coming Coming Clean. It's the second edition. My guest today is Buck Levis. Hi, Buck. Hi, how are you? Uh, well, uh, you're breaking up a little bit on my phone. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. I can hear you. Um, they was telling they were telling me that okay, our connection go. wasn't the best, but we're gonna try to um, plow through it. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. I can. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Buck, and you know how you even began um, on this journey that you found yourself on. Well, I think I was like most kids growing up, uh, that I had a, an interest in um, sex, and I started, you know, at a fairly early age with masturbation and went through high school looking at Playboy magazines, That, mm-hmm. um, which was not really unusual in that day and age yeah. when I was growing up. Uh, and I got to sin. I mean, I got to college, and had the opportunity to get into a little bit deeper sexual attraction, sin, and to sin. And uh, what really happened, though, what hooked me is after I was out of college and I was working, Mm -hmm. and the Internet came along. Mm -hmm. I found out that I could get on that Internet, and it was all free. It was there at the touch of a button. Mm-hmm. I could watch anything that I wanted to watch. Yeah. Uh, and nobody knew about it. And uh, I was hooked. Yeah. 
Yeah, now I want to make this point too because that I I just tell you a little bit my my background. God delivered me from uh, pornography addiction as well, and and the internet was the the main factor. Um, one one of the things it didn't start off that way, but that became you know one of the main main factors. There's so many uh, devices out there, so many ways you know to make us uh, cause us to stumble and to to fall, you know, and it and it's proven that. At a young age, most people uh, get exposed to that, you know. Um, how old were, were you? You say you were really young when, when you first were uh, exposed to that content. Um, how old were you? Well, I'm trying to remember going back because I can always remember having an interest, you know, an attraction yeah. to sexual sin and um, looking when I was fairly young looking at uh, oh I don't know ads in magazines yeah, yeah. where there were women in underwear you know and that kind of thing and that right. was fairly young so you know I'd say that was before I went to um, high school even it was at that yeah. age yeah yeah you know Buck we live in a um, highly highly sexualized culture you know and I and we, we, you may run into people who feel like, well, I, I can't help it. Everywhere I look, everywhere, even if I'm going to the store, there's something draped on the walls, you know, or there's magazines or whatever it, it may be. How does this affect, you know, our, our view of sexuality and the way that God wants us to, to view it, just being inundated with it all around us all the time? Well, I, I think that obviously it warps our view of Christian sexuality. Yeah. Uh, it's not what God would have for us, but the world is very much into it. I think that the enemy uses it as one of his principal tools mm. uh, to attract men. And even of late, the last few years, uh, it's been attracting women. Yeah, yeah. And there, you know, twenty. They estimate that twenty-five percent of women have used pornography or are using pornography. Mm. Mm. You know, I've, that's, go that's ahead. 25% of the women in the church. Wow. And so that number is growing, you know, so you can see yeah. the, the effects of this, you know. Um, one of the things that th- this type of sin, it loves to grow in darkness, in dark places. That's right. And, and one thing that we have to do is be willing to bring light to those situations. Were there anybody in this journey that you were able to, at some point when you was like, man, I need to like, you know, get rid of this. How did you bring light to it? Was there a person that, that walked alongside side of you and helped you with this? Or how did that whole process happen? Well, the whole process happened because of a, um, I was found out, discovered, mm. uh, actually at work, uh, and I realized at that point, okay, that's it. And I had to go home, confess to my wife. Wow. And um, I went through counseling uh, twice a week uh, for a year, and then once a week for another close to a year. Joined a men's group mm-hmm. uh, where we were all struggling with the same thing with sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, 
you know, so at that time, uh, I did uh, have to openly. Yeah. Share. I didn't share it with the world, but I did share it with all of those people. Right. And um, and so, and it's scary. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're if you're sitting in that closet in the dark, mm-hmm. uh, you don't know what's on the outside in the light. It's real scary to open that door and walk <laughs> into the light. So true. So true. You know, I want to ask you, you said you, you shared it with your wife. What was that like? Was there immediately immediate hurt on her part? And she felt like, you know, like what, how was that conversation? Because, and I'll tell you, whenever I've talked about this issue on the broadcast, it never fails that I get emails and calls of uh, mainly men who say, you know, I'm dealing with this and I, and I don't know how to, how was that conversation uh, with your with, with your wife? Well, I mean, she was obviously hurt, mm-hmm. but my wife was a very unusual person. She passed away six years ago, but okay. uh, she was uh, really very unusual, and she listened to what I had to say, mm-hmm. um, and she was obviously hurt, as I said, but... Her point was after she'd sat, we'd sat down and she'd listened to everything and uh, talked to me about it. And she said, listen, she says, I will be behind you 100%. I'm your wife. I will not love you any less. I will do everything I can to help you. But this is your problem, not mine. Mm. And you're the one that's going to have to solve this problem. You're the one that's going to have to address it, not me. I'll help you. But you've got to do it. You've got to take responsibility for it. And you've got to solve your problem. Mm. Mm. Which for me was the exact thing that I needed to hear. Yeah. So for that man listening right now, they will say, man, I cannot tell my wife. It just will not go well. What would you say uh, to, to that man? I would say that not in every case, but in, I'm sure the majority of cases uh, of people who say, okay, I'm not going to tell my wife, I can't tell her, I love her too much, whatever the reason is, you're going to, you're then going to have to explain to her when she finds out mm. <laughs> uh, from someone other than you. Yeah. And that's tougher. Yeah. That's even tougher to do. Uh, so, you know, if, if you don't tell her, She's going to find out, and you're going to have to deal with it anyway, and it's going to be worse. Mm. But but I can't speak for every person's marriage because I don't know every person's marriage, and I don't know what's in their hearts or what's happening with their wife. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a psychologist or a counselor, so I, that was just based on personal experience, uh, you know, with the people that I've known. Yeah. And you talked about the importance of, of being in uh, a fellowship or a group, you know, to be able to come out of this darkness. Um, talk about the importance of the one another's, you know, uh, having somebody else, because the Bible does tell us to confess our sins to one another, pray for one another that we may be healed. Um, that's something that is we find hard to do even within, within the body of Christ. But how important is that? I think it's critical. I think you have to do that. Number one, um, 
if you have no accountability to anybody else, then you have no accountability at all. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so much easier to slip back into sin. Um, I've been, you know, I've been doing this. I've written a book and it's been a while and I still got an accountability for it. Mm-hmm. And I will have for probably or hopefully until the day I die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and because if you sit with the sin alone, mm-hmm. the sin, you give the sin a chance to grow. And it will. Yeah. And it's going to take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And it's mm-hmm. going to cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to get it out there. You have to share it with somebody who can come up to you and say, how are you doing? And you have to tell them the truth. Yeah. So let me ask. Let me ask you about that because you, you mentioned accountability. Uh, how does that look? Because it, sometimes those things could be kind of faulty in that you just get together and you just kind of talk about it, and you just there's no real nailing down. Like, hey, you need to do this or that. How does that look for for you in your accountability relationship? And how real is is that relationship? It has varied. Uh, I'm not going to say it's been perfect all this time, mm-hmm. uh, and it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the fact of meeting with somebody mm-hmm. that you that may hold you accountable, yeah, kind of makes you hold yourself accountable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you know, I I think that if you're meeting with somebody and you're supposed to be holding each other accountable, and you're talking about the football game. Right. Maybe you better stop with each other and say, hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about what's real here. Mm-hmm. And you need somebody you're able to do that with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And you have to be willing to be transparent. And just the fact, like you're saying, to know that someone is going to ask you questions or that you're going to have to, you know, that in itself helps you to not want to be in a position to have to say, well, yeah, I did this, you know. Like that, God used those relationships to help us to 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 um, get out of these things. Um, the importance of of really getting down to the root of the, of the problem, because there's a lot of talk. You you can have uh, uh, filters on your phone. You can have, but those things can be gotten around. You know, you can have all these the, these things to help, which are good things. How important is dealing with the root of the problem? You know, um, beyond just having the setup around you for its boundaries, but the root of the problem, which is usually pride. I, I agree with you. It's, um, I think that you have to, you know, it's, let's see, how would I put this? There are all kinds of things you can do to delay or stop yourself Temporarily, yeah. uh, from acting out. And if you're smart enough, and if you're into this kind of sin, and you want this sin badly enough to become smart enough, you right. can get around it, as you say. Right. You have to root out the origin of the sin. You have to go back to the sin, to the basic beginning, whatever it happens to be. Um, and you have to deal with that, and you have to deal with it not just with yourself. You have to deal with it with God. Let, let, let me stop right here because we're coming up on a break and we'll be back right after this to finish the conversation. Stay with us.
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And uh, thank you for joining me. And I have a guest on with me, Buck Levis, wrote a book called Coming Clean. Coming Clean, and it addresses head-on uh, sexual sin and, you know, whatever it may be that, that's binding, you know, the believer. Uh, and I want to talk more with him about uh, the book in particular. But before I get to those questions, I want to ask Buck, um, so part part of my testimony was that I felt like I, I wanted to be free, and I was I would get on these these stints where I would I wouldn't look at pornography, but then it would roll around. Maybe a month later, I'm back at it, and then I I say I'm not going to do it again, and then back at it, and I got to a point where I said. To God, I prayed to God, and I was like, look, if you don't change me, I'm going to be like this. I, I don't know what to do. It was I had gotten to the end of myself. Was was there a, a, a point uh, in your journey where it was like, was it the situation that because of you got caught that caused that, or was there even something after that that was like, okay, for real, for real, this is, this is it? I think that... Uh for me, it was not the point at which I was caught. I think that it, and, you know, I was like you. I was caught in this pornography trap, and I kept going to God and, and asking for forgiveness mm-hmm. and making vows that I couldn't keep and um, simply uh, just trying very hard to do it on my own. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're raised in a society that says, be a man, be strong. You mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you need to do. Right. That's not true for me, or at least it wasn't true for me. Yeah. I couldn't do it right. on my own. Right. I had to come to the point and reach the point where I humbled myself, got on my knees before God and said, God, I can't do this. Mm. I've tried and I've tried mm-hmm. and I've tried and I can't do this. Yeah. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. So I, I leave it in your hands. Just whatever I need to do, I'll do, but you do it because I can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, uh, you know, um, what I experienced as well. And, and praise God for his power to deliver, you know, and like you said, yeah. to be able to be transparent and to not think you can do this on your own because you, you can't, you know, you can't. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the book, you know, and I, there was one uh, of the uh, chapters, I say chapters, but one of the days, and, and it, it was talking about Ananias and how he lied, you know, and Ananias and Sapphira. And it, it was like, how many times have we lied? And it's kind of what we've been talking about, like just going back and saying, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do it. But then all of a sudden, you know, in a moment of weakness, you you do it again. You know, uh, what 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 caused you? Uh, what stirred you to write this devotion? Like, how did this come about? During the time that I was uh, going through the counseling and going 
I was in my men's groups mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing for a period of about two to three years. Uh, every morning, seven days a week, I would get on my face before God and ask him to show me in his word uh, one thing that day uh, that he wanted me to learn from his word. Yeah. And he would do that every day, seven days a week. He gave me exactly one page in my journal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after about two to three years, he said, I want you to write this book. Hmm. I sometimes, you know, I kind of talk to God and God kind of talks to me. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I said, well, okay, I'll write the book. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I did. And then he said, I want you to publish the book. I said, well, wait, 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 God. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I've got this job, and I'm a public figure and all that kind of thing. And and he says, write the book. Mm. Mm. And I said, well, maybe I could use a pseudonym. I'll use a, a, a fake name. And uh, God says, no, I want your name on it. Mm. And I fought that for a bit. And uh, finally, I said, you know, God, what if I write this book and nobody reads it? Doesn't help anybody. And God says, if it helps just one person, is that mm -hmm. enough? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right. And so I wrote the book. Uh, actually, this is the second edition yes. that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote the first book. I self-published it. Um, and then it was out there and... Uh, I'd had some responses from some people which encouraged me. And uh, what I did was uh, I started the second edition in which the first edition had the Bible passage and then it had what God had downloaded to me. And then the second edition, I had some counsel from a very wise man, one of my mentors, mm -hmm. who said you should ask a question and uh, make it into a sort of a mini Bible study. Mm. And so then I added a question based on what God had shown me, and I had written in the passage, and I followed that question with four Bible verses that spoke to the question that was asked. Mm. Uh, and it was, I think it encouraged more introspection, uh, and I think it encouraged men to ask of themselves mm -hmm. the hard questions. Yeah. And then maybe look at look at uh, what the Bible says about those questions. Yes. 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 Definitely when we um include which we should the scripture, you know, that and um that definitely does a lot, you know. That definitely does a lot. Do you feel like writing being obedient to God and writing this book was actually um, part of, you know, your o overcoming this, like that, that being obedient to God to, to, to write this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, you talk about coming clean and sharing this with another man or with your wife or whatever. Mm -hmm. When God asked me to come clean before the whole world and write this book, <laughs> that was, that was hard to do. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's been an absolute blessing to me. Wow. And praise God. Some of the some of the responses you said were really positive. What 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 are some of those responses that you've heard that you can share, 
you know, of, of people who have read maybe the first edition and, and, and reading this one. Uh, what were some of those responses? Well, I, I, I'll just share two. One of them was a young man that I had known as he was growing up mm -hmm. who uh, wrote to me and said, you know, that he had gotten into pornography mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, and then he had got my book and he said, your book has helped me to overcome this problem. Wow. Praise God. Uh, and the second one was a, a gentleman who uh, was a counselor and he counseled in sexual addiction issues with men. Mm -hmm. And he wrote me back and said, I got your book. And he said, it has given me new perspective. And I'm just really grateful for the book. Wow. So those are a couple of the responses I've had, which really encouraged me. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Look, this this issue, the issue of sexual sin and the struggles that we deal with that we like to hide, um, man, it it runs rampant within the church. Um, what what do you think are some ways the church itself can help uh, to address these issues and not that is not so hidden? You know, I know. You know, just from stats and also from talking to to people, that there's a lot of pastors who deal with this <laughs> themselves. Like, where do we even begin to start to address this within the church so we can have a uh, freedom in in these areas? Well, you know, if somebody walks into the church and has just been diagnosed with cancer, mm -hmm. uh, we call them up and we pray for them, and we continue to pray for them in our prayer days, yeah. prayer life. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we are praying that they'll be healed. Yeah. We need, we need to have the same attitude toward the person who is bound in sin, mm. uh, any sin, and especially this sin. Mm -hmm. um, because this sin is one of the great tools that the enemy, I believe, has used. Yeah. Is to hide it. Yeah. Make it shameful. Nobody talk about it. And he can go about his business and make this sin grow, and he doesn't have any opposition. And the mm -hmm. opposition should come from the church. That's where yeah. that's where people should go to get healed. Yes, yes, Amen. I, I totally agree. And we we have to do something. We have to be we have to be willing to be transparent. You know, even if it was one person within the church, you know, a brother, to be able to say, "Hey, I'm dealing with this." A lot of times, we don't even have that. And so this stuff grows, like we talked about before, in darkness, and 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 no one's trying to ex expose it, and then we are worse off for it. As a parent, I have six children, you know, and so we're always trying to combat, you know, the things that would try to come in that uh, would cause our children to lose their innocence. You know, we have a, our, I guess it would be strict to some, you know, on devices. We don't, none of our Teenagers have phones and, and stuff like that. We, they, you know, we feel like they don't need them yet, you know. Um, how, first of all, how can parents protect their kids from these images and these temptations online? Um, how, how can parents be instrumental in that? But also, how can parents begin to have a discussion about these things? Because there may be children as delving into that, because I know my parents didn't know, you know, and... The parents don't even know. How how should parents go about even having this conversation about 
uh, uh, you know, pornography and things like that with their children? Well, number one, I mean, as parents, I'm a parent also, and we all always think that our kids are could not be involved in that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> and so let's get over that first. Yeah. Um, you know, the statistics tell us that virtually every kid by the age of 14 years uh, has tried pornography, has looked at pornography of some kind. They're not addicted. They're probably not looking at it all the time, mm -hmm. but they have experimented. They have looked at it. Yeah. So, number one, don't wait for your child to come to you because they won't do that. Mm -hmm. You open up the conversation. You sit down with them and be open, be frank, be honest. Don't hand them a, a line that is made up uh, because they're going to see right through it. Yeah. Teenagers and, you know, junior high school kids, they're smarter than anybody else in the world. They can spot a line mm -hmm. and they will reject it. Just go to them. You start the conversation, be totally honest with them. Yeah. And let them know that no matter what happens, you love them. And, you know, if, if and when that comes into their life, if it ever does, and pray that it does not, mm -hmm. that, um, that, you know, that they can come to you mm -hmm. and it's not a problem that can't be solved. We can solve it. But you got to come to me in order to do that, and then if you can with your children, pray with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. And pray for your honesty with them. Yeah, that's that's good, and that's and like we said before, there's so many devices and things, so many uh, entry points where our children can be, you know, exposed to this stuff. We have to really be. Um, engaged in what they're watching and what they're looking at. You know, you are the parent, <laughs> you know, they might not want to submit everything to you, but you are the parent. And so you have that responsibility and that duty before God uh, to be able to, to know what they're, what they've been viewing, you know, and I, and I think you're, you're, you're right on that. You got, just got to be honest and have the conversation and, and you go to them. Um, we have to be the ones that are thinking that way instead of, are oh, they going to come to me when they because they won't come? Not about this type of stuff. <laughs> Not about no, this type of stuff. Won't. Yeah. Um, the book. Where can uh, people go to get the book? And you know, how can they contact you if they if they want to contact you? What's your information on that? Well, they can contact me through my publisher, okay. uh, which is Karis Publishing, K H A R I S Publishing. The book is available. Um. And um, did you say Amazon? Yeah. You said Amazon. Okay, because you cut out for a second. Okay. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. Okay. And I could be contacted through my publisher. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Buck Levis. Appreciate you coming on and talking about this very, very important issue. Look, we have to have these conversations, people of God. We have to. Like, we can't be passive about this because the enemy is not passive. He is very aggressive, and there's so many ways that he's trying to enter into our lives and our children's lives. We have to be on the front line fighting the good fight. And so I just want to encourage you to have these conversations. 
This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back tomorrow, but until then, God bless.